The condition of sin's got to be dealt with before the conduct of a believer. The good news is so good because the bad news is so bad. If you expect to become righteous through the law or any other means, you will fall short every time. The person that's sitting next to you that might be an adulterer, that might be a dope addict, you and that person need the same grace of God. What about when I was unfaithful? What about when I overstepped the lines? The things that we say could never be paid for, God has already paid. Nothing can stop us. We're unstoppable. It should be easy to go to heaven and hard to go to hell. How do you overcome sin? Not by trying harder, but surrendering more. Today's big ideas. This is what we're going to be talking about today. Number one, that we live in freedom in Christ. All right? Freedom in Christ. Number two is that we live in sensitivity to other people's convictions. All right? And if you've read Romans 14, you, you know why we're setting this up, right? Number three, we live like Jesus. I think we kind of end up summing up everything into that every week, right? <laughs> At some point, we live like Jesus because he is the, uh, the great example of how we should live our lives. And so really some context about Romans 14 um, and also a little bit into 15, like what I was saying, is there's a mix of Jewish and Gentile Christians. And really there's people who have grown up understanding uh, the, what is really our Old Testament, the laws, and, they, and it's really ingrained in them, and rightfully so. Uh, they are the Jews. And then there's the Gentiles, which is pretty much everybody else. And they were not raised up in the same customs that the Jewish people were. Uh, but both are entering into this, this new way of living in Christ. And so it's beginning to cause some issues of how that's supposed to look and sound and, you know, be like it. So you've got all, you've got just a, a cultural, you know, uh, uh, conflict is really what's going on. And so Paul's mediating this conversation. Uh, so the ceremonial laws or the sacrificial system that we've talked about over the last few months, um, has been fulfilled by Jesus. The civil laws have changed, all right? The governments have changed. And so some of the things that, uh, the way that the Jewish people would live is no longer really in place for them. Uh, the Gentile Christians who have never been under the Jewish law are living in the freedom they have in Christ. And some of the Jews are having a hard time letting go of the, of the way that they lived. And there's a lot of conflict, you know? And here's the deal. Uh, what's funny about this is, What's happening in chapter 14 is happening today, okay? Like, like everything that we're going to talk about today, uh, don't just think of it as something that happened a long time ago and is not in play. Um, you're going to see very quickly, very quickly, that everything that we're talking about today is happening on the day-to-day -day here, uh, here in America, here in Mississippi, here in this church. And that's why we got to talk about it. That's why Paul wanted to talk about it. So uh, I do want to remind you that Romans is meant to be read in one setting, a lot of times we read one chapter and we throw out every other book and chapter in the Bible based upon what that one chapter says, and that's poor Bible reading, okay? That is not how you're supposed to do it. We're really supposed to understand all of the books, all of the, like, what the main point of the Bible is, which of course is Jesus, pointing to Jesus, but also, like, who is Paul talking to? Why is he saying the words that he's saying? What was the significance of it? Because a lot of people will take certain things and twist them to fit their you know, their culture, what they're trying to say, and uh, it might be taken out of context. And so chapters, uh, you know, one through 13 are not null and void because of chapters 14, uh, chapter 14, right? See what I'm saying? So there, there's a good balance here. Uh, the things that Paul talks about in chapter 14 are not things that clearly violate the Bible. 
So there's really two different realms of things that he might be speaking of. One is cultural considerations, all right, things that might have been uh, taboo or not. And then there are clearly defined uh, right and wrong sin or not sin things. Some of the stuff that he's talking about today, most of the things, they're not sin. Okay, it's, it's, it's considerations, it's different convictions, different standards, and we're going to get into that. And uh, he's showing us that, that we should be careful how we impose our interpretations and opinions on other believers concerning Christian ethics, and also shows us how we can live together in unity despite varying opinions. Did y'all know that that was possible? Did you know that you could completely disagree with somebody and yet still like to be in the room with them? It's, I'm telling you, it's possible. All right? So despite what we might feel. Chapter 14, verse 1. Here we go. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. Do not quarrel over opinions. Don't fight. Don't argue. Don't bicker over opinions. Now, again, we know that there are non-negotiables that we must agree on. As believers, there are certain things that we must agree on. There's doctrinal beliefs. If you're wondering what ours are, you can go to northwood.tv slash beliefs, and you can find what we believe there. Um, but there's, there's doctrine. There's also Christian living that we must agree on. And what I mean by that is righteous versus unrighteous living. All right, works of the flesh versus fruit of the spirit. There are some clear delineations. Um, uh, you know, uh, I'll get into some things in a little bit, but our honor code is really built around those. We have, a, we have an honor code here at Northwood Church and uh, for those who are on teams and especially in leadership. And it's no you know, outlandish rules and regulations. It's actually just what the Bible says, right? And, and so we're, we're pretty proud about that. It's like, so... So what are your rules? Ah, well, we read the Bible and we look at what it says and then that's, what, that's how we model our lives. And so it's a, it's a, I know it's crazy, but it's just something we tend to do. But, um, but you know what I'm talking about? There are works of the flesh. We've, we've gone over there in, in, those in depth. However, here Paul is talking about opinions, non-essentials, negotiables, gray areas, right? He says, guys, don't fight over opinions or attack those with sensitive consciences. He says, be respectful of one another. Don't attack one another. And again, there's Jews and Gentiles, and, and these really two different types of people who have two different extremes in the way that they live. Jews potentially lean more towards the don't do anything. There were the people that you can't do anything, you, you know what I'm saying, the rules and the checklist, and that, that's kind of how they lived. And then the Gentiles potentially kind of more leaned into the you can do whatever you want category. The, the, you can't do anything, and the, I can do anything I want, right? And, and those extremes are actually both weak, and that's really what Paul is saying. It's not, it's not weak or, or strong in regards to how much you do or don't do, or, or if you're a, you know, a monk, like, oh, that's a strong, he's really strong. He's not talking about that. He's actually saying that in the extremes, both are actually weak. They're both weak. And we'll, we'll kind of explain that in a second. He categorizes, uh, categorizes a lot of things as opinions, not doctrinal foundations. And this is important that we get this because this is going to set up the trajectory for the rest of this message. 
Things that are not clearly outlined in the Bible, and there's no way to prove who's right and who's wrong. Did y'all know that there's things in the Bible, standards, and people label things as Christian living or not Christian living, and some of those things are not actually that. It's not sin. But it's people that begin to champion certain things and certain actions, and they say, well, and some of it's built out of care and consideration. Basically, if you take this first step, if you take 10 more steps in that direction, you might fall off the cliff, right? Like there's danger, so don't take the first step. Well, that's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. It's out of care, but you know, it's sort of like telling somebody it's the Grand Canyon, don't go all the way to the rail to look over the Grand Canyon because you might slip. So why don't you stay about you know, 50 feet away from the, at the edge? It's like, I could have just looked at pictures, man. You know what I'm saying? You got, you know, anyway. You know what I'm saying? It's like, don't you might, might. It's like, you know, well, I appreciate that, but what does the Bible say? And then these, these opinions, they're generally, uh, they're generally very personal. A lot of times these opinions are shaped by bad experiences. If you were raised in a home that had certain situations going on, whenever you get older, you want to stay as far away from that situation as possible. And you can actually read the Bible through that lens and begin to build up structures and, and towers, and it's really unnecessary. But they're, they're deeply held beliefs, and they can cause division in our, in our relationships. And Paul's experiencing this. He gives examples of two culturally relevant opinions, what to eat and what days to observe. What to eat. And you're like, what is the big deal about that? Well, they had temples back in the day where people would bring food and they would offer meat to idols, all right, false gods. And what would happen is these people would take the meat, maybe they'd, they'd have like sort of like restaurants around the, the, the temples or, or maybe people would go buy the meat from the temple or this, these markets around the temple and they'd bring them to parties or whatever. Maybe it's a birthday party, I'm gonna go get some steaks, you know what I'm saying, get me the good stuff down at the temple, you know, the local temple. And uh, that's kind of like their meat market and that's where they went and they bought the meat and they bring it home and they'd eat. And so you had the Jews who were like, we can't eat meat, most of us can't, we can't eat meat definitely offered to idols. Can't do that. That would be crossing the line. And so then they begin to tell these Gentile Christians, you can't eat this meat. And the Gentiles are like, huh? Dude, it's like, that's, that's the best meat around. You know, like this is the best steak. If it's like, you want good steak, that's where you go. All right, and so there's, but they were deeply held convictions. Most of you in this room, if you saw somebody take a, take a slab of meat and pray to some God, and then you'd be like, I don't want to touch that. Touch that. I don't want to eat that meat. You know what I'm saying? It's been offered to an idol. But the rea reality is, is that it's a false idol, right? Paul's going to lay some groundwork here. One person believes, in verse 2, one person believes, has faith that he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Now, I almost made a vegan joke there, but <laughs> I decided not to because some of you maybe are that, but anyway. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. He splits the middle. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master that he stands or falls, and he'll be upheld. For the Lord is able to make him stand. 
Paul's doing this thing again that we've been talking about where he reaches out and grabs both ends of the spectrum and he pulls them together and he stands in the middle. He stands in the middle. You see, we can have a tendency to make assumptions about people standing with God, their condition with God, based solely on specific behaviors, on their conduct, and uh, that they may have as individuals. We can presume things, we can assume things, and, uh, but we can be way off at times. We can be way off. We, we have to be careful not to judge and presume somebody's condition based upon their conduct. You know. Now, here's the deal. Was it okay for some people not to eat the meat that was offered to idols? Absolutely, Paul said that, it's great. That's awesome, if you feel that, that's, don't eat the meat, right? But, but for those who do, that's great too. It's awesome. Paul's standing there saying, hey guys, the meat in itself, there's, there's not like demons inside the meat. <laughs> you know, like, it's okay, you know? But, but he was still sensitive. Now, when I was growing up, um, there was a lot of things that in our home we didn't do. And my parents always said that, said this, here at the Dakota house, we just don't do that. And it wasn't ripping other people. It wasn't saying, I can't believe that they're going out and they're doing this and blah, 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 blah. It was just here, we don't do that. We had standards that were set based upon my parents and therefore I submitted to that, right? Like that was how it worked. And it, that is totally fine. And again, that's what Paul is saying. But what happens whenever somebody else's convictions or standards are different than yours internally? Is there a, is there a tension? Is there a pointing of fingers? Is there a trying to justify your standards and, and, and defend your standards by tearing down theirs? Because at that point, that's where you begin to do what was happening in this time. And it ends up leading to division and things. Look, every family has its own code of conduct or standards or convictions, whatever you wanna talk about, right? Every church has the same thing. And it's really set that the culture is really determined by the leadership of that church. We have a code of conduct. We have a, a way of living, a way that we see Christian living playing out in people's lives here at Northwood. And it's one of the things that we talk about from time to time. We talk about you know, sexual immorality. And, and, and that, you know, sexual immorality is any sexual activity outside the covenant of, of marriage between a man and a woman. That's how we define that, you know, that, that we shouldn't live lives of addiction. Like we really shouldn't. And it's not a, oh, you shouldn't. See, this is where we start missing it. God has set out certain standards and ways of living for our good and for his glory. And, and if we start on the right foot, many people just get into the do's and the don'ts. They're like, oh, well, I'm walking this tightrope. And it's like, oh, if I mess up, somebody's gonna get mad at me. That's like a little child. This is not that. This is God says, hey, look, I've designed you to live a certain way. And by the way, it actually doesn't just apply to Christians. <laughs> I think that's the other thing. It's like, really what he's saying is, hey, don't be promiscuous. It'll be better for you. That's not just for believers, right? It's an overall principle. And, uh, but as believers, we have a different motivation also in that it's not just for our good, it's actually for the glory of God. There's this whole other thing that God has done in us. He's changed our heart and he changes our desires to not even pursue those types of things. But as a church, we have those types of, of standards, but, but again, it's not this harsh, you know, rule-driven people looking down at you like this, you know what I'm saying? Because people have that tendency to, to, to go there, and Paul is pulling back the reins on this type of thinking. 
But again, Paul is talking about some non-negotiables. He's talking about things that <laughs> they're not in a code of conduct. It's actually just personal. Verse five, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced or persuaded in his own mind. The one who observes the day, observe it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. Isn't that great? I mean, this is, these scriptures, like, honestly, what it should do to all of you is it should cause you to be like, ah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're telling me that I don't have somebody looking over my shoulder left and right? Nope. Like, you're telling me that I don't have to look over somebody else's shoulder left and right? Nope. It's wonderful. It's, there's freedom. There's freedom. Some of you might be coming from another church or another, you know, season of life, and you're like, no, that's not how it's supposed to be. You know, we're supposed to, I want to tell you this, there's a, there's a big difference between sin and, and, and personal, personal convictions. It's a big difference, very, very big difference. And we've got to have wisdom and discernment on which one's which, lest we create a legalistic environment or we fall over into the other side into what would be called antinomianism, which is basically who cares what anybody does. And both are extremes and both are dangerous and both are error, both of them. I wanna make a statement that uh, I think is, is, is pretty balanced, but it, the Holy Spirit custom tailors your standards and convictions for your good and his glory. Custom tailors your convictions and your standards. Did you guys know that all of us have different weaknesses, right? So doesn't the Bible say that the Holy Spirit will guide us? He's our comforter, he's our peace, but he will guide us in truth individually and corporately. Some people individually, there are certain things that they should not touch, be around, environments they should not be around because of a certain type of weakness in their life that could be built out of pain, bad experiences, bad choices, personality, different things where one has to completely abstain and another can be around or partake in and it, it, there's, there's, it's like it's okay. Did you guys know that? It, the Holy Spirit, cost, look, when my dad got saved a few months into it, God convicted him about photography, that he needed to put away his photography equipment. He take pictures of like little animals and, and the kids. Why? Because it, it was more than just a hobby. It became something that was, he was too involved in. And you're like, well, that's not in the Bible. Of course not. That's the point. And that's what Paul's trying to say. It's not what the thing is. It's maybe the result of it. It's maybe what it's producing in your life. Hunting is not a bad thing, but if it's destroying your marriage, hunting is a bad thing, right? Like, let me just bring it where it's at. I mean, you know, that, that's what Paul's saying, man. It's, it's like the Holy Spirit is, is in this. Live by your convictions and honor God. Live by your convictions. It's wonderful. Man, I, you know, I used to do this and I can't anymore. Don't, don't go try to find 75 scriptures to support that thing that God's doing in your life and then begin to plant that on other people and say, now you can't. Y'all know this happens, right? This happens. This breaks families apart and this tears churches apart. 
And Paul's like, hey, we've talked about the gospel. We talk about, and, and look, out of the gospel, now let's get into how we live and let's maintain unity. Verse seven, this is kind of the why of living by your convictions and honoring God. For none of us believes or none of us lives to honor himself or we don't live to ourself. None of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. Now, believers, this is us. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. See, he's talking about lordship here, lordship. And if Jesus is Lord of your life, then whenever that still small voice enters in and says no or yes or mm, for this season, you submit to that willingly and with joy because he's our Lord because whatever we do, we do to honor him. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the living and the dead. Come on, guys, we are not our own. We, are, we, are, we belong to Christ. We belong to him. He's Lord, and, uh, and we live to honor him, not ourselves. Verse 10, but, but why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? Basically, what's your motivation whenever you have that thing come up inside of you to point a finger? Like, and he's talked about judgment, condemning people quite a few times. And he, and he questions this motive of why. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Did y'all know that? All of us, we're all gonna stand before God. For as it is written, as I live, this is out of Isaiah, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. See, we're all accountable to God first and foremost for what we do. We're gonna stand before him. We're gonna be judged even as believers. We're gonna have to give account for the things that we did. There is one judgment seat where it has to do with uh, destruction or, or uh, you know, basically heaven and hell. There's another type of judgment that has to do with rewards. And, and that's more what we're speaking about here is, you know, when we stand before God, we're, we're going to give account for ourselves. And we're not going to be very worried about what our Christian neighbor has done at that point. All right. Come on, y'all. Stand before almighty God, you know. But Lord... There were some things that he did that I did not agree with. <laughs> hey, like, picture that. <laughs> I think there's gonna be some super sarcastic and uh, humorous moments at, at this judgment. You know, not the other one, but at this one. Like, dude, no, that, that doesn't matter. The Bible talks about basically we're gonna walk through sort of like a, a wall of fire and all the things that we did that didn't matter will burn up and the only things that, re, that remain are the, the things that matter. I think we're gonna be like all puffed up, have a lot of things that we thought were so cool and we're gonna end up being like this, you know, charred little thing, you know. <laughs> but look how impressive I am. Yeah. Nope, not very impressive. Let me read this to you. While the church must be uncompromising in its stance, against activities that are expressly forbidden by scripture, sexual immorality, murder, lying, all of these types of things. It should not create additional rules and regulations and give them equal standing with God's law. Many times Christians base their moral judgments on opinion, personal dislikes or cultural bias rather than the word of God, right? Still, other Christians don't know what the Bible says. They don't have a clue. But they say they are Christians and they create a new code of conduct that's completely sinful, but yet they give the stamp of approval on it. Have you ever noticed that? 
Those that don't know the word of God speak about it so defiantly. Well, God says not to judge. And that's like, that's all they know. They don't know the context of it. They don't care to know the context of it. Really what it is is they want to do what they want to do. And, and honestly, people that are on that extreme, I question kind of where they're at in their relationship with God based upon that, those sorts of statements, right? There's a balance here. There's a tension here in all of this. And Paul's challenging them and us to be strong in the faith, yet, in this next part, sensitive to others. Verse 13, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Why? Because we love one another. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Paul's like, I've had a few revelations from my Jewish background into where I'm at now as a Christian. And man, when everything was unclean and there was rules and regulations, I now see that in itself, he's, he's saying in, these, in the context of what we're talking about, none of that was really unclean, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For them, it's unclean. Therefore, guess what? It's unclean for them. Verse 15, for if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So he starts off talking about a strong and a weak Christian and, and, and really how even strong and weak Christians can cause their brothers to stumble. But let me say this, this seemingly strong but actually weak and insensitive Christian may flaunt his or her freedom and unintentionally offend others' consciences. They may champion things and push things forward and almost like make people feel that if they don't, then something's wrong with them. Like, pfft. That's actually very weak, even though it seems so strong. What a weak faith. What a weak way of approaching situations. On the other end, the seemingly scrupulous, right? Like the person that has high standards and high morals and very attentive to details, but actually weak and insensitive Christian may try to fence others in with petty rules and regulations that are based on opinions, thus causing dissension. Extremes. Person's flaunting it like, dude, come on, man. The other person's like, you can't do anything. You can't even walk out your house. Like what, you know? I have a TV in my house. And did you know that there's a lot of people still today that are actually against having TVs in their home? You're like, what? Yes, it's a big deal for some people. And that's extreme, but there's other people that will put that on people. It's just one example, one example. But because of love for them, for each other, we have to pay attention to how others, other uh, behavior affects people. How does it affect people? Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. What builds up the body of Christ? What builds up those around you? What kind of actions, what kind of conversations build people up? Do not a command for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Don't do it. Now he's talking about meat offered to idols. Let's expand that. Use your intellect right now. What other things are there that you can destroy relationships over that Paul would be telling you, stop. Should we fight for absolutes? Should not fight, but should we stand for absolutes? And yes, 
What about the things that don't matter as much? Well, let's love one another. Don't destroy what God is doing in someone or yourself by creating disunity about things that don't matter in your church, in your family, in your relationships, wherever. It's not worth it. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. He's talking about being sensitive to other people's consciences. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. And this is where people begin to take the scriptures and they begin to slap them on people and say, you can't do this. Here's the question. What causes a brother to stumble? And there's a spectrum to that. Because there is a scenario that plays out where literally anything you do could potentially cause someone to stumble. Anything, everything. I use a credit card for the rewards that it gives. Maybe someone can't have a credit card because they'll go into financial debt and it'll ruin their whole life. Is it, can I not use a credit card? Are you kidding me? Take that and apply that to many other things that you're thinking right now because it's the same exact scenario. You have to be very wise. Who are you around? If there's someone who's a, and you know you've grown up, they're an alcoholic, and you know if they are, they're around that, that it will cause them to stumble back into this lifestyle, and you sit there, and you hand them a beer, and then if they don't take it, you almost guilt them or mock them. In that moment, you are potentially causing a brother or a sister to fall, and there's a problem with that. There's a big problem with that. Sensitivity to others out of love for them and love and honor for God. That's what we're talking about. Verse 22, the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. And he's not talking about your faith in Christ. Don't evangelize. That's not what he's saying, okay? But the, the, the convictions, the standards, the things that God's doing in you might just be tailor-made for you. Cultivate your own relationship with God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself or what he approves. You're cultivating your own relationship with God, but you're not imposing it on others. Can I say something though? However, we should learn from one another. However, we should be open to, to talk about things. Sometimes somebody else's standard of living, God might speak through them and convict you about that, and if you're turned off to that, it's like, oh, no, it's just me. It's just, I got my own thing going. God might be trying to speak through that person to you, and if you're closed off, you're closing off a, a lane that the Holy Spirit will use to guide your life and help you grow. Iron sharpens iron. Some of you, you, you might need to take up some of those thought patterns that some of your faith, faithful friends have, some of the balance that they have in their life especially those that have been in the faith for quite a while. Like it might be good to, to let that side kind of pull you this direction a little bit. See what I'm saying? There's a balance in this. There's a tension. We don't just say, oh, no, nobody. If you live your life like that, you don't receive from anybody. That's a very ignorant life to live, especially in the church with one another. We have got to have this, uh, man, it's just good relationships, right? Verse 23, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. In your own lives, do not resist the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's convicting you, there's just something that's not quite right about something. Could it be Jesus saying, this isn't for you? 
And if you resist that, you're resisting the Holy Spirit in your life. But have discernment to know if it's the Holy Spirit that's convicting you or some sort of man-made condemnation or man-made structure or system or somebody's putting this on you. Have discernment. You'll notice today I'm not really giving you a whole lot of uh, do this, don't do this. I'm not interested in that. But I am interested in helping you learn how to think like the Bible, like what, what Paul is putting out here culturally and us having that type of environment because the same issues that were going on then go on now. Chapter 15, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Again, serving somebody else. Your, 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 your gaze is set upon their good. And what can I do to serve them well? We should live for others, not ourselves. Like Jesus, come on. He's the greatest example of this. Verse three, for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. He took on the weight for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. I love it. Paul, then he, he says all of these things, but then he begins to show Christ in it. He begins to show Christ as the example of it. Even unto death, Christ did not do what he necessarily wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? Where he submitted his will to the Father. Do you think that Jesus wanted to endure the pain? No, he did it for us. That's why he did that, the servant of all. Verse five, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Why? that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. That's the purpose, that we together, living in harmony, loving one another well, will be, that is one of the, re, that's one of the ways people will know that we are Jesus' disciples. That's what the scriptures say, how we love one another, how we, how we can have diversity, but yet with, which, with much unity, right? Verse seven, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I want to be a part of a church, and I think we have a good church, but I want to be a part of a church that continues to be a church that welcomes people. It doesn't say there's 45 filters you have to walk through, right? There's things that you have to do and say in order to be a member of the church because there's a lot of non-negotiables out there that break down the unity. And today, that's what really what Paul has been leaning into. And all of this is based out of a changed heart, not the other way around. When we talk about unrighteous living and fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, that phrase, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, patience, all of these things, self-control, it, it, it's fruit of the Spirit spirit changing your heart. It's not a template that's applied to you and you force yourself to act away like a robot. No, whenever your heart is changed, and this is what we started really talking about, your desires change. It's fruit of the spirit. And so today, I think there's a lot of you 
who maybe have been trying to live the Christian life without actually being a Christ follower. That's very difficult to do. The best that you can hope for is behavioral modification. And usually it's temporary. It's kind of like putting braces on teeth. Take those braces off and don't wear your retainer. What happens? They're going to go right back. That gap will be there in two weeks, right? And for some of you, that's what it feels like. It feels like you, you, you come to church or maybe you step into this, this place or maybe another place or you read the Bible here and there and you feel like, and like all right, I got it. And then, and then you're shaking, you get weaker and, and weaker. And, and then all of a sudden, two, three weeks later, it's like, I just, I can't do this anymore. It's hard. That's why Jesus wants to change you from the inside out, not the outside in. It's very simple. See, the gospel is this, the good news is this, is that Jesus came to this earth, the son of God. He lived a perfect life. And he submitted himself to the cross and he died a terrible death. He shed his blood, his perfect blood to pay the price for your sin, your shame. All the things that you've done, will do and the sin nature that you were born with. And he did that to pay the price so that you could in a moment like this receive his his full grace, his full love, his, his forgiveness, his righteousness for your unrighteousness. And that's the beauty of the gospel. I wanna give an opportunity for each of you to make that decision today, to follow Jesus, to say yes to him. Say, yes, I believe in that. And God, I wanna want invite you into my life. So right now, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're in this place today and, and you, you feel kind of like maybe you've been on this treadmill of performance, trying to act like Jesus without having his spirit inside of you, without having a changed heart inside of you, And that makes sense to you today. Maybe you're in this place today and look, God's just been drawing you. Some of you have been very, very dissatisfied with life. And as we read these scriptures, as we sing these lyrics, everything that's happened in a service like this, there's something inside of you that's just calling out, that's crying out, that says that is truth. And it's satisfying something deep inside of you. God says that he draws all men to himself. I believe that that's God saying, come to me with all that you are, your successes, your failures, every all the shame. You're not gonna be able to get rid of that on your own, but I designed you, I created you, and I wanna heal you, I wanna restore you. If you're in this place today and you know that you're far from God, we're gonna say a prayer here in a moment. If you're in here, I'm not gonna bring up to the front of the room or embarrass you or anything with everybody's head, everybody's eyes closed. I wanna pray with some of you. And if you're in this place, I want you to simply right now, just say, that's me by just raising your hand. Say, look, I wanna make a decision today to follow Jesus. Come on all over the room. I see you. I see you over here, yep. Over here on the edge, yep. Back, back man, I see you. Anybody else? I just wanna pray with you. Maybe you've... You used to follow Jesus, I see you, man, back in the back. You used to follow Jesus, maybe you grew up in church. At some point you walked away from the faith. You've experienced both sides and you've experienced this life of dissatisfaction and you know, man, today's the day for me to come back to Christ. Maybe you're in here today. Is there anybody? I just wanna pray with you. I see you, yep. Come on right now. I'm gonna say a prayer. I'm gonna ask each of you repeat after me. 
Come on, if you're a believer in this place, let's support those who are giving their life to Christ right now, recommitting their, their, their selves back to Him. Let's pray this together. Say, Lord, I come before you. Come on, let's all say a little bit louder than that. Lord, I come before you, humble and broken. I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. To give me hope, to give me future, to restore my soul. Right now, I receive your righteousness for my unrighteousness. I thank you for healing me, for giving me victory. And I'm gonna walk in that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Come on, can we get up, give it up for those who gave their hearts to Christ today? Amen. Northwood Church is one church with multiple locations. Uh, we have locations in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach, and we'd love to see you there. If you enjoyed this message and want to get more info on who we are, just head over to northwood.tv. And once you're there, you can check out all our past sermons and all the things that we're doing in South Mississippi. And even to, to give to support those efforts of reaching more people. Be sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with everything happening around Northwood Church. Thanks for watching. We hope to see you soon.